Yes, hello, welcome to Diminishing Returns, where we're talking about X-Men this week, or at least the first three X-Men films. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm Calvin, and with me are Sol. Yes, I'm I'm not an X-Man. I'm I'm still all male, ladies. <laughs> eh? And Is that Alan. offensive against <laughs> trans people, what I just said? <laughs> And uh, cool. Alan, uh, hello. I, I mean, I mean, no disrespect to the trans community. Uh, yes. All right. Just, just put that in up front. Let's not. I love human beings. Edited that out. And they're all equal, aren't they? Unless they're bad people. <laughs> and that's to do with. That's to do with what's inside, and not what's your body. What your body's doing, and that's what these films are about, isn't it, Calvin? Well, it's interesting that we're coming to uh, the, the, the X-Men films now, because previously on the podcast, I believe it's been the three of us who have covered the, uh, where we talked about all the Wolverine-specific films yeah. in the lead-up to Logan, and then we also looked at Deadpool uh, in the lead-up to Deadpool 2, so we sort of um, put the horse before the cart, no, no, the yeah. cart, we put the cart before the horse, mm-hmm. that's that's what we did. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's very... Um... That that's really a good indication of how I felt about the franchise in general. Mm. Um, basically, the rewatching of the films I did for this podcast was the first time I watched any of these films since they were released in the cinema. Oh, oh interesting. What, including the first one from the year two thousand? Uh, yes, except I, I don't think I saw it in the cinema. I think I saw it on video shortly afterwards. But it's ah. the first time I watched it since I first saw it, I should say. Right. Um, but I've been watching all these spin-offs and keeping up with them. So I, I've kind of... I kind of forgot how all the pieces fit together. And mm. having revisited the franchise, I suppose it's probably safe to say that they fit together. Like, um, when you when you can't... Like when you've got a piece for a jigsaw, but it's actually from another jigsaw, but you just kind of mash it into <laughs> into the missing space with a hammer anyway, and hope no one kind of notices that you've cheated. Mm. <laughs> okay. I've watched these films much more recently, or at least the first three. I've got a feeling I might have watched them in the run-up to our Wolverine uh, recording as a kind of recap mm. on Wolverine, because I hadn't watched them for a while. But the... The later ones, which we'll be dealing with next week, I hadn't seen as recently. I hadn't even seen the last one. So, but speaking of that original trilogy, if we're going to stick with that this week. Yeah, uh, I've definitely seen them before on at least two occasions. So, it wasn't really uh, too new to me. But, I must admit, watching them this time, my opinions changed slightly from my memory. Uh, Not huge, not hugely, but I've just had a few little changes of me. Talking about the original trilogy... Specifically here, these were obviously the three that I, you know, hadn't seen in the longest while. I, I Basically, I, I consider myself a fan of X-Men, but I really considered myself to be much more of a fan of the, the modern prequel films than the original X-Men films. Mm. So ah. it, it was a lot more... I don't know, it was, it was interesting going back and looking at the old films. And yeah, my, my opinion on the original films... Yeah, it did change quite significantly, actually, looking at the these three. So, hmm. whatever I've said about these films to you before, Calvin, just it's all going to change. Wipe it away as if as if Wolverine's just come back in time, but hmm. but he hasn't come back in time. It's just his mind, and then ah. he's like stabbed them with his 
bone claws anyway he hasn't got metal claws yet <laughs> that's next week and change <laughs> the whole week. timeline <laughs> but yeah to, if i may jump into quite a, a grand point straight away regarding Ooh, okay. regarding this first x-men film and watching this again after recent events i, I can see a very straight line from this x-men film to avengers endgame like in terms of mm. what this did to create that genre and mm. in terms of creating a solid ensemble film uh, and yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah. so many, so many elements in here that having seen what has happened with Avengers and like how what's grown and what it's become, the whole Marvel universe. Watching this again, just going, yeah, this, all the ingredients are here. This is mm. this is a template, mm. and and it, obviously yeah. it wasn't trying to be, but I think I have even more respect for what how this film created a, a subgenre of, of superhero films. Mm. Well, I kind of wanted to touch on that as well, because like, we probably have talked about this before, but this is generally considered the first, like, modern superhero film, right? Like, it preceded Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, yeah, which was another yeah. frontrunner. Yeah. But this is it, really, isn't it? Like, it starts here. Yeah, yeah. This is the right. film that started the modern boom, and then Spider-Man's the film that cemented it as, as more than mm. a weird mm. anomaly. Right, yeah. And 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 you're right. Like like Alan says, it, I I kind of had this in my memory as just an early superhero film, but revisiting it and perhaps more the second one. Yeah, the the ensemble nature of it, it does feel like the closest analog to what Marvel are doing nowadays with their cinematic universe. I would say that we got out of any of these early superhero films. Having said that, I think the first film has dated. Uh, very badly. <laughs> mm, I, I yeah, I did want to bring that up right off the bat. I'd forgotten. Well, maybe it didn't look cheap to me twenty years ago. Uh, but now it's like, oof. Mm. But not even that it was cheap. I mean, it, its budget is listed as being seventy-five million dollars. But yeah. uh, there is just something about it that the action is very contained. I, that, yeah, that was my the thought. Stakes ha- are quite. It was yeah. quite lo-fi action. Like it was yeah. just like, okay, yeah. these two guys are fighting in a corridor rather than, you know, we're blowing up mm. a city. But I, I kind of liked that. Mm. I didn't, I, I, I didn't take that as a mm. negative particularly. I thought, right, they're working within their means. And like I said, the, mm. the, the world has changed. In like, you, you will put two hundred and fifty million dollars to make a film now. You wouldn't back then. Mm. But, but, but it, it, it goes, it goes beyond just that sort. The, the look and the effects. You know, it, it also impacts on the writing, the direction. Mm. I, I think it's just very of its time, and mm. I think you know. The entire cast seem very uncomfortable to be making a superhero film because they know it might just end up being a, a joke. <laughs> yeah, the entire mm. film uh, seems to be constantly apologising for the fact that it's a superhero film. But I, li- I think I like that because I, w- what I really want <laughs> is a nice character thing within a sort of eh, some superhero-y stuff going on, uh, rather than mm. just a action-packed nonsense. Well, I, I would argue you get more of that in superhero films that aren't constantly apologizing for the costumes or you know things like that 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 what i'm talking mm. about is i mean yeah that that what would you rather we're wearing spandex hey we're all going to dress <laughs> like we're in the matrix cuz that just came out instead that's the kind of stuff i'm talking about yeah i think that's the right choice though that's better than putting them in spandex yeah. 
And especially with X-Men, it is kind of built into the DNA of at least what they're trying to do here, where, uh, you know, it's like, it's a shameful thing to be a superhero and to have these powers. Yeah. And it's not like yeah. cool, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. coming out and telling everyone that he's Iron Man. Here it's, and that's why I think it makes sense that the action is more contained as well, because these are people who don't want to make much of a fuss, uh, or at least the, the good guys don't. The, this, the whole plot uh, and presumably when they were trying to get the money for all this it, it was sold it seems like it's not just sold hey we're going to do some superhero fluffy nonsense it's like no there's a real meaning behind this there's like it's a whole analogy mm. for for gay thing or, or whatever that makes you feel like an outcast of society uh, and we're gonna we're gonna really focus on that um and it does and i think that i mean it, it was um it was specifically a gay thing here. I mean, that's probably something we should talk about. It, uh, the comics, uh, Stan Lee was a, was he the creator of the concept of X Men? I think he well, was, wasn't he? Jack I think Kirby and Stan Lee. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's one of those things where different characters are credited to different people and what have mm. you. But my understanding is it, it was very much created as a kind of civil rights analogy and quite a broad thing coming out of. Out of America at the time it did, it was probably more of a racial um, allegory than anything else. But then Brian Singer directed the film, and and I believe he is on record basically saying, "Well, I'm gay, and therefore I approached it as a gay thing." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's quite quite blatant throughout the franchise. Oh, it's so blatant in the second one, especially when they go back to the parents yeah, of yeah, one of yeah, the characters, yeah. and he has to come out to his parents mm. and his mum saying things like, did you ever try not being a mutant? <laughs> yeah. And that and that's it. I think this is very much more gay than, say, black. Uh, it's not a racial thing, because there's a sense that you could you can hide it. There's a sense that you can change it you can cure it and I, I none of that comes into your civil rights debate about being black or anything like that it's a and there is a there's still this sense of that it's shameful it's wrong not because of a social social structure thing um mm. like no one's no one was even in the the darkest time no one's ashamed of being black it was just they were persecuted for it it's just what you mm. are you can't do anything about it the other thing obviously is that you know if if it was a race thing or something like that you you've kind of got your your tribe of people that you're part of, whereas if it's you know a, a gay thing, a sexuality thing, it's it's much more. Well, my family don't know what I'm going through. I have to go and find a new group of of people to belong to and make my own. And it and it is just sort of randomly affects every society. You know, it's, it's yeah yeah yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, so that gives it an extra layer, which I really appreciate. I, I think it's I think it actually explores it very well. I think the the level it doesn't work on is that I think the people who are against the mutants have a quite legitimate fear of what they're capable of, uh, and mm. that they, these powers could be, you know, uh, used for for ill. Mm. And well, not only could be, but are used for mm. ill repeatedly throughout the the franchise. So, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure that quite works as an analogy for the gay. But <laughs> you have no idea what kind of powers the gay community is suppressing, Alan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, where do we start? I th- let's talk about the cast before we get into plot. Right? Mm. Because, yeah. well, for starters, no bankable names here, really. Your biggest name here at the time was probably Patrick Stewart. And frankly, mm. he's... Not a big get at that time, is he? You know, it's like he's a no, fairly really. well-known TV star. He's respected, yes. 
But also, mm. he's not your big action star. He's, uh, you know, he's an older fella. Um, mm. So the rest of the cast is, and it is mostly, you know, fairly unknowns or, you know, up and coming. And mm. frankly, it's hit and miss, but there's some big hits. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's hard to say, because to be honest, my take on the cast in this film is, is those two aside, the acting in this film is awful. It's really fucking shit. But then they're actors who go on to be very good in the next film, perfectly fine. So it, it's something about this film and how it was directed rather than the cast, I would say. But well, I it's think prob- the possibly is painful. Anna Paquin's the worst of the Oh, bunch. yeah, she's dreadful. <laughs> she, I don't, I have no problem with her she particularly. Is, not. Oh, she is painful. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I've yeah, I've never cared for her in these films, well, or indeed just in general. I've never seen her in anything that I liked her. In. I can't say I, she wowed me, but I didn't feel that vehemently <laughs> about her either. Well, Hugh Jackman is the his the huge standout. Yeah, I, I believe mm. the three of us praised him unanimous, mm. uh, unanimously when we spoke about him in the Wolverine films. Even mm. him in this film, it's not he he gets away with it more than most of the cast, but. He's mm. still not really anything remarkable yet. Oh, I think he's. Mm. I think he's the character stands out. It's there's a reason that that character's gone on to do what it does. There's a reason Hugh Jackman went on well, to yeah, do. Yeah, but, but that, the character it's isn't all there. Hugh Jackman. That character's been one of the most popular characters in the comic books for years and years. Like, you know, that's why they poised him where mm. they did within X Men. He yeah, but that's he's uh, definitely a huge part of selling it on screen. Yeah, exactly. But, it's you know it is a popular character. Yeah, but he, Cyclops he, is a popular character. It doesn't mean that James Marden is is giving anything to you at all. No, but Cyclops isn't anything close to Wolverine within the the world of comics and so on. Mm, I, I don't know. I think I got to give a lot of credit to the Jackman here. Yeah, I think if Duggery Scott had have stayed in that role as was originally cast, this we we probably wouldn't have three Wolverine films. And... Yeah, don't get me wrong. I think Hugh Jackman's brilliant, and I love him, and and I love him as Wolverine, and I I love him as Wolverine in most of these films. I just don't think you get much of it in this first one. I I think it took maybe him a, a finding kind of character find a his bit, feet yeah. a bit and. He he's definitely one of the best actors in this film, but like I say, I really oh, yeah. don't think there's very good acting in this film. But also, Most you know, it's it's <laughs> it's Hugh Jackman in by far the biggest thing he's ever done in terms of uh, scale and, and exposure and all this. So there's probably going to be less of he's probably going to be kind of doing what he's told <laughs> more, more like rather than being too adventurous. But I don't know how. But he, he feels like he brings a lot more into it later on. Uh, maybe just sort of. Yeah, he just finds his feet with the character and gets the confidence to just play around with it a little bit. But I, I, I also think that with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine is again a direct line to Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Like I think, mm. even if it's literally just someone going, do you know what? Yeah, we will take the risk on Robert Downey Jr. because he's got so much charisma, he's got so much charm. It worked with Wolverine; mm. like it can work here. Well, I mean, I probably should have mentioned it before, but. I believe this was Kevin Feige of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's first uh, credit. Oh, really? What's he credited as? He he was an associate producer. He was credited as, hmm. um, and uh, I, I apparently he I, I read an interview with him recently where he was saying on set he suggested that there was a scene where Magneto takes someone's gun away using his metal powers and. 
Kevin Feige basically said, hey, how about we do this thing from this issue of the comics I love where he disassembles the gun into all its different pieces and all of them float mm. away. And they basically said, yeah, good good comic knowledge, great <laughs> idea. That's going to cost like another three million and we just don't like <laughs> We can't do it. CGI is not that good yet. Um, and then that scene made it into the third one. So, hmm. yeah. So, Let's put Hugh Jackman to one side. Uh, mm-hmm. The other two good actors um, are Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not just that they're both great actors, which we know now by now, but they the the way they play off each other as they yes. as and they're basically oh, yes. represented. And, and this is that something that works really well, particularly in the first few films. Two sides of the same coin. A very yeah. sympathetic dynamic, villain. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a really sympathetic villain, which we lo- I lose in some of the later ones. But mm. having that character that we understand where he's come from, and the mm. fact that they've mm. come from the same place in many ways. You know, they've they've grown up yeah. together in a in yeah. a certain way. Um, really great, really fascinating, and and works but, uh, where where it's supposed to. Yeah, I as I was saying, I I kind of think this film is dated in that it, it it largely particularly at the start comes across very cheesy and and silly in a lot of ways and to be honest i think the saving grace of the film is these guys that they, they bring a an air of credibility Gravitas. to proceeding that just yeah it just makes it work instead of collapsing in on how cheesy and silly it kind of all is um hmm. they they really are like the the structural pillars holding the whole thing up if you ask me i don't know i think there's a lot to be said for the themes and the writing we already touched upon Mm -hmm. it but there is like you know a lot of uh thought and deliberate meaning in the in the script in the story yeah and these guys do a great job at conveying it i think the broad strokes of the writing is great i think the Mm. dialogue and little quips and things not not so much yeah, yeah, we'll get to one line later on that I really want to get your guys' opinion on, but uh, not right now. I believe Joss Whedon was uh, involved in the script, wasn't he? Didn't he write the infamous line that might even be the one you're going to ask about? Oh, that's the one, yeah. What's the deal with him? Because he's not credited on it. Did he just do a, a polished job, or...? Uh, do you know, actually? But there you go, it's another another link to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Alan. Okay. Just Whedon's quips and writing. So, going through the rest of the cast... Um, Bland, so Blandville, like, guess... USA. Is <laughs> oh, come, come now. I mean, Halle Berry's gone on to... I mean, she's the other sort of big, you know... Uh, she's awful. Stars come out she's awful. Oh, she's throughout. dreadful. I, I have never seen her look less comfortable in a film. And <laughs> I've seen Monsters Ball. <laughs> You've seen Dying of the Day, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot she was in that piece of shit. <laughs> yes, all right. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah. And and she she becomes a point of um yeah, I think she her presence becomes an interference in um later films specifically. Oh, the third they don't film, know what to I do with it. We'll but that yeah, it, I mean in this film well, in this film, she's deciding to do a little funny accent, which she drops for the second film. Same with Anna Paquin. And Ian McKellen has definitely got a bit of a kind of, oh, I'm sort of from Germany, but raised in America for a long time kind of accent, which mm. he later loses and just becomes British. Uh, very odd <laughs> choices that they just dropped mm. that. 
But yeah, Hallie, a storm's supposed to be from like Kenya or something, isn't she? Well, Egypt, according to the later films. But well, but I don't know. If, I don't think that's mm. the original story. I think they've tied that into thing. No, she's awful. Um, James Marsden is Cyclops, and he's mm. basically nothing. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's uh, not bad, is what, he? He's not yeah, bad. That's kind of really. what I know James Marsden to be like, but. Well, James Marsden does very well when he's in things like Enchanted, and he can sort of play up, um, yeah, play up comedy. And of Here course, he's the, just a straight man. The upcoming Sonic the Hedgehog film that I'm sure we all can't uh. wait for, where he's the he's the human opposite of Sonic. <laughs> That's it's going to be amazing. Wait, wait, Is that right? He was in that Easter film as well. <laughs> was it a James Corden rabbit? Oh no, it was uh, Russell Brand, wasn't it? The Russell pop. Brand rabbit. That's yeah, the yeah, funny yeah. Easter Bunny is back. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see why he gets cast in those kind of roles because he has that just kind of like affable, yeah. every man sort of family friendly charm about him. Yeah. But I think I think the dif- you know he he's a counterpoint to Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Like you mm. know, he's the man you marry. Wolverine's the man you have a a, a great night with. <laughs> I guess uh, you know Wolverine will spit on you during sex, whereas Marsden will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so okay the the other side of that is Famke Janssen as Jean Grey who is Scott mm. Summers as um, I don't know, whatever significant other also very bland um yeah, I like her a lot, but I like that actress. Yeah, is uh, she an? Is she like an, one of my favorite Bond? Say, is she a Bond girl as well? Like, is, is, or, yes. Was she? Well, she was, she's a Bond uh, femme fatale in Goldeneye. Yeah, I've seen Famke and seen stuff where she's all right. She's never stood out, but here again, not mm. not bad particularly. Just boring. Nothing there. Nothing really giving much. I mean, actually, to be fair, she's she plays off of Wolverine. Okay, you know they're flirting and all mm. that. It's it's all right, isn't it? Although I will say, I've got a problem with that whole story element, the the love triangle between Jean and Cyclops and and Wolverine, because Jean Grey and Cyclops they're in a long term relationship, very solid and happy with each other. Wolverine comes in and flirts with Jean Grey a bit, and then he's like, "Oh well, I'm in love with her. She's obviously in love with me, uh, so she'll probably leave her, her husband or whatever he is for me." <laughs> and like that, it never established a connection between them, those two, it well enough for that any of yeah. that to make sense. And they dragged it out over three yeah. films, like it really. Yeah. And there's a point later on in one of the other films where Wolverine's like goes to Scott Summers, he's like, "No, he she chose you," and he's like, "Well, yeah, I'm a fucking husband." What, what do you mean? She chose me. Who are you? Some bit of rough yeah. that fancies her. She's never even showed any I, interest I, in you. I, I found that really baffling, because like I say, I didn't really remember these early films well at all, but I've been watching the sequels and keeping up with them, and they make such a big thing out of Wolverine and Jean Grey that I just kind of thought, oh, I must just forget how like big a deal they were like with the romantic subplots and so on. And then rewatching it, it was just like, oh, there's like one scene where they mm. kind of look at each other a bit. Yeah, she's mm. checking. He's, mm. he's pretty ripped. Don't mind her, you know, straying her eyes across the uh, the abs there. But that doesn't mean mm. she's going to leave a partner for you. And and mm. and but they really build it in. Like he pretty much, you know, has to later in the what is it the third film or whatever where he has to kill her and like it's this massive sacrifice. Yeah. Like that he's totally in love with her and it's like, when did that happen? I don't. And then she comes back in the Wolverine series. Mm. Like we we saw she has a pretty. Uh, prominent role in the Wolverine, uh, more so than any other sort of uh, yeah overlap mm, from remember. this series into that. Mm. 
Okay, so we have Anna Paquin as Rogue, who is really quite a major central character. She's really the kind of the the point of it all, isn't she? She's like the central focus. The MacGuffin. Hmm. Yeah, 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 the MacGuffin. That's a good way of putting it. And that follows on in the sequel as well, when she 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 mm. becomes the sort of point of like, well, who will they get the cure? Or won't they get the cure? Ooh. And mm. and again, that's well, we'll come on to that. The other big person, Rebecca Roman as Mystique. Probably the other major mm, character certainly yeah. certainly became a bigger character in the in the prequels, um, but mm. she is a major focus. She's Magneto's main uh, heavy. She's the main goon. Um, yeah, and definitely in these first films is a passive character. You know, a real kind of oh, go and do that for me, will you? And and does it, mm. which does change a bit later on. But we'll we'll deal with that later. But a great character to have. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, mm. someone oh, who can yeah. take the role, uh, take the form of others, because she can just do so oh, yeah, much. Yeah, she's very striking. Yeah, yeah. The look is great. I mean, Rebecca remains a model, right? Like she wasn't an actress at this point. I don't think she was cast for her physicality. Is what I'm getting mm. at. Well, they have to paint her, basically body paint her in the nude. So, you, you mm. <laughs> uh, I was thinking that when they were going on about. They have a whole thing later on about, you know, be proud of what you look like and, and, all, and all this. It's like, she's painted blue and got weird, like, bumps all over and she's still fucking hot. Like, that's not... Like, make her a fat <laughs> fat girl and let's see how proud she is. Uh, so, it's, I'm not sure it quite makes the point it's trying yeah. to make. <laughs> does anyone else get hung up on how, like... Why does her mutation make her look funny, but everyone else is just normal? Well, it's not everyone else. And well, yeah, Nightcrawler Beast looks silly and Nightcrawler. Yeah, cause probably because people like me were like, what's going on with that? <laughs> Does the central premise of this film bother you at all, Alan? Because oh, yeah. it's always really annoyed <laughs> me, the X-Men premise. And I, and I love superheroes. It's just... I, I feel like there's a big leap from, oh, people are mutating, you know, this guy can has like psychic powers to oh this guy can create rings of energy and mm. this guy can turn into i don't know it, 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 there's a point where it just gets like too silly and too definitely pre, predetermined like too clearly this is a magic power yeah this it, is a superpower there's definitely how would that evolve <laughs> definitely and, yeah definitely um, and we don't see enough like freaks of nature who get like a really shit mutation and it I like they do dabble in it a bit like Toad I think to a point is meant to be dabbling in oh he's had a bit of a bad drawer of luck there and um, there's that boy that can change the TV channel by blinking that's a bit of a shit one (laughs) and uh what's he called um Peter Dinklage in Days of Future Past I think was an attempt at addressing that on some level but I suppose we'll get to that later but Rogue again it sort of represents a power that is kind of crap and, and really a drain on her uh, yeah. life. Mm. But and even that is a superpower. Like, she can go into battle and fuck people up with it. It's, <laughs> But yeah, it's more of a curse than a blessing yeah. compared to most of them. Well, my, my major mm. problem with it as it went on and they had to try and get more interesting things and going on, my my really annoying bit is the double power. Where they have two 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 mutations that are completely unrelated. Like, for, I'll give you a good example ah. from one of the later films that works: is Banshee can create sonic waves or whatever, and then uses that to fly somehow. And it's yeah, like, that, I'm I'm all right with that. That's good. You're using your power in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yeah, 
Mm. Great. That's like when Invisible Woman, the the Fantastic Four character, because she can make things invisible, can turn people blind by making their retinas invisible so that they yeah. don't transport light to their brain. That that kind of shit I love. But yeah, that's using the same. That's power. great. Yeah, but that's it. I'd love to be able to see more of that interesting stuff where they can, like they they're using it in a sort of weird way, uh, yeah. and that could be very creative. But then there's there's a, one in the later films. Um, well, there's Wolverine. Well, Wolverine is. He can heal, but he also has weird bones that come yeah. out of his skin for some yeah, reason. Yeah. And then someone turned them into metal bones to make them better. Well, that's it. I... <laughs> so it's kind of like, what is this power? This I do, is so fucking weird. I do like that his power yeah. is like healing, and so they can literally rip his flesh off, yeah, put metal on yeah, his bones, it, and it heals. I guess so. Yeah. I like that. The, yeah, the, yeah, the stabby knife thing is a bit, yeah, separate, but at least it's very sort of physical and, and yeah, like you know there's links dots between them I suppose mm-hmm. yeah who's the one you were going to point to well uh, uh, one in the later ones where there's a girl who has like wings and she can fly but also then can make the wings disappear and also like spit fireballs yeah it's just like what what yeah. where's the mm-hmm. where's the connection there I'm not mm-hmm. but then I'd, I'd, I'd like to see a bit more of the kind of the physics of it because like James Marsden's character Cyclops is bursting like laser beams out of his eyes i don't know if we ever yeah. get any sense of why that is but i would at least like to see something like that uses up loads of energy so if he does it he's really tired afterwards or he has to eat something afterwards i, like- I was thinking that in again this, this is one of the much much later one of the prequels but there's a few instances in one of the quicksilver sequences where he's like eating and drinking a bit and mm. I, I was thinking like oh man it'd be great if he was just constantly eating just non-stop throughout yeah. these films just to kind of acknowledge <laughs> that this must burn up so many calories well there was a little moment where he he transports magneto and he, like he puts his hand on the back of his head he says oh just make sure you don't get whiplash because he moves him so quickly and then after he's done it is like he's vomiting because of the the fast motion it's like okay that's that's enough like just acknowledge that there's yeah. some physics because i think realistically if you move that fast your clothes would probably set on fire. I don't like, you know, I don't know what the <laughs> physics involved would be, but I, I like that they just yeah. acknowledge it and sort of like mm. a little moment. That's fine. I'm all right with it. I'm, I'm all right with a sort of world that doesn't quite, you know, isn't realistically possible because it's a yeah, superhero film. It, it, I think mm. it's because it, it does just raise all these other questions when you get powers that are a bit too silly. Like with him, for example, is he super strong? Because he picks people up as and runs with them as in a way that suggests that he's super strong but i don't yeah. think he is i think he's just but then i guess if his legs are capable of doing stuff at that speed he probably is super strong but he, he, i don't know anyway mm. save that for when we get to it i suppose <laughs> but you know he, i guess you kind of just have to go with it don't you there's a point where you have to be like fine these are silly films that don't make any sense on any scientific level you just have to go with that and I think the first films deal with that pretty well. I, I, it's the later ones where it bothers me more, I must admit. But I think that's because they're trying mm. to do more. They're trying to bring in more characters. It's because they've done all the obvious clean heroes where it's a bit more streamlined and then they're getting into weirder, more obscure characters whose powers are a bit more... I also think there's a bit of upping the ante involved mm. as well. Yeah, true. You know, with other superhero films, but... Anyway. Um, the only other two major cast members we haven't really talked about are Ray Park and Tyler Mayne, who play the other Whee! villains Toad and Sabretooth. Well, I think Sabretooth is one of the worst things in this film. I think he is just everything about that character 
and how he is realized is shocking from the acting to the audio mix on the the same mm. fucking lion roar sound effect they keep playing over him every time he appears. <laughs> It is shit. Sound it's like it. whenever you've got a film with a cat on screen, it has to yeah, meow noise. Yeah. So you know it's yeah. there. It's always the exact same meow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's weird that he is sort of like a counterpoint to Wolverine. And yeah. I know that in one of the Wolverine films, they cast a much better actor and they go down a whole brother's route with them. Here, that's not really present at all. But he is very much supposed to be a counterpoint to Wolverine, I think. He is. Apparently, he was meant to be in Logan, the, the the film, they were meant to bring him back originally mm. in the original draft, but then they kind of realised actually this character's a bit shit and it's going to confuse people. <laughs> we'll just make it a clone of Wolverine, an evil clone instead. But yeah, but that, that mm. evil clone role was going to be him, apparently, coming back at one point. Hmm. So, mm. Interesting. So, shall we get into the plot itself a bit more? Yes. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I like my big Hollywood blockbuster to start with a scene in a concentration camp. I think that's always the best mood setter. Um, yeah. So that's what we get. And, and it, it borders on territory that could feel exploitative or or trivial, mm. trivializing something. But but I know I get why it's there because I. Well, I think it makes perfect sense. It's about yeah, it's about a a, a, a particular type of people being castigated and and yeah, and and, and I think. I think having that backstory, that in his past, really adds depth to that character mm. that, that is very, very valuable. But mm. there is a sort of sense that maybe that scene could have gone somewhere in the body of the film rather than right up front. I think it's it's there to make a statement right off the bat, isn't so, it? I yeah. mean, it's it's like what you were saying about how apologetic the whole film is about being a superhero film and... I think they had, they felt like anyway, they had to do something so stark and real. Yeah. And quick, quick question about Magneto though, as well, mm-hmm. because in that opening scene where we establish Magneto as a boy and his powers, when he's like the guards are trying to pull him away and he's pulling the gates with his magnetic powers, mm. but also he's being pulled towards the gates because the guards are holding onto him and they get sort yeah. of dragged through the mud, which is never something we see again in terms of an actual magnetic attraction between him and metal. It's just he can manipulate metal. And I just thought, is that, was that, like he hasn't quite learned how to control it yet? Or is that just a bit of a fuck up in terms of, oh, well, this will look cool if they're being dragged along. And, and... I think you've picked up on a very valid um, fuck up, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's a fuck up. I think it's one you could easily hand wave away by saying they've got metal belts and guns. And he's on. trying to pull himself towards his mother. Yeah, yeah I'm sure yeah. you could. Uh, you mm. could but I, my, I do think that's probably a goof. Yeah, I don't think it's a goof. It's obviously a very deliberate effect. Um, I, I, yeah, no, it's never bothered me at all. I never well, really he, considered it. Well, well, surely, I mean, it must be a bit of a goof if that is what's meant to be happening, because then he could just get out of the prison in the second one by flying. Mm. Instead of mm. the elaborate... I know, I don't know. There's a difference between, like, dragging yourself along the ground. And <laughs> anyway, it was just a, just an interesting thing. Um, okay, so the film starts, then we move on to... It might well be Rogue, yeah. So that's another traumatic scene right off the bat. Uh, so Rogue's a young lady. She's, what, 16, 17, something like that? She's she's in her bedroom with a young man. Uh, they're uh, getting to know each other. Never touched skin before, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, since since 
since turn since hitting puberty. Yeah, but she's mm. well. Okay, this is this. The whole thing in the X Men world is that the people tend to get their powers when they hit puberty. Um, mm-hmm. But it's vaguer than yeah, that. Yeah, because otherwise Cyclops would have destroyed his baby mother in the womb. And, yeah. But it, it is vaguer than that. And I, I don't mind that as a concept that, you know, these. I mean, it doesn't really make sense if you're talking about genetic mutations, but okay. But it, it does vary. And I guess you can just accept that that's part of it. You know, when do certain hormones kick in? When does this start? When does this start? Yeah, yeah. But it's like, if it's puberty, there's people at 18 suddenly, like, get powers and stuff. It's like, oh, okay. Mm. That's not when puberty hits. Um, but yeah, so she she kisses her boyfriend and he nearly dies. She realizes... Mm. But, the, but this is the thing, because her reaction is not like, oh my God, I think he's having a fit. He might be epileptic or something. Her reaction is, yeah, I've touched him and that's caused him harm. Please don't touch me. Nobody touch me. I'm a freak. Ah. Which I guess is just mm. a matter of like, right, we need to condense this down to like a three minute scene and, and get the point across. Yeah, I, it, mm. you're right. But you don't get a sense that this has happened before and she's worried about it. Maybe she's straight. It does feel like something's happened before the way it plays. I don't know if that's intentional or not. It does feel like she, oh, th- she struck the dog and it died. And Yeah. <laughs> no, no, exactly. I, I feel like maybe not, not to sort like this um, uh, contact puts her boyfriend into a coma and I just get the sense that maybe some other time, you know, something had happened and it had an effect on someone not quite as severe as this. But I don't know, maybe she made people ill or yeah, maybe the dog got sick or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Because people, you know, you... You touch people all the time, even not in a. Well, I don't. You fucking pervert. <laughs> you know. <you're... laughs> yeah, I can't remember the last time I touched anyone. Well, I have to shake hands. Exactly, you shake hands with someone. Your your mum gives I you a hug a before you go though. off to school. I can't remember the last time I touched someone <laughs> that wasn't me having sex with them or like <laughs> on a date with them at very least. Well, that says a lot about your life. So, <laughs> take the romantic side out of the equation. Oh no, you know what? I shook someone's hand at work yesterday. Uh... But she's also she's a sixteen-year-old girl. She's not like hanging out with her friends and a little hug when they meet up, or or you know, or literally any skin-to-skin contact. Like, oh, can you hand me that yeah, pencil, but, please? But a, yeah, hug, a hug doesn't have to be skin on skin. You just but she's exactly. But if you're what in in America, they're all like they're all going out in the. Uh, summer clothes, you know, like you're literally talking about a hand on someone's hand. You know? <laughs> There's no other season in America. It's just... That's what I see in the films. It's all it is sunny California, in this film. It? To be fair, it does look like the height of spring or summer. No, I, I know what you mean, I, but maybe you know, maybe the power only kicked in a week ago, and she's killed a few animals. Yeah. She's made someone really ill. Someone had a stroke that after she like gave them a hug, and she thought, "Oh God, that's a bit weird." And now this has happened. Mm. I, I I can live with it. I, I know what you mean, but it, I I can I don't mind the mental gymnastics required to make it work in my head. I don't. Well, that's it. I think it's things. it's basically like if you were going to make a rogue film, you could do all that, but you need to establish yeah. this character in one scene and get it done. So yeah, there's a guy who is a senator or something like that. He's a politician. He's not Brian Cox. Bruce Davison. Uh, yeah, mm. and he is. Um, you know, leading the charge for having to have these mutants registered yes. and, and 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 sort of identified so that they they know what sort of threat they are and they can be dealt with accordingly. 
And like I say, he's very much painted as a villain straight away. It's just by the way he speaks, by the way he's filmed, by the way other people react to him. Mm -hmm. We know he's the bad guy. Um, Mm -hmm. The problem with that is like what he's saying does actually make sense in a lot of ways. And you understand Mm -hmm. why he would consider this to be a problem, why other people would consider this to be a problem. Uh, And even though you could also argue, well, they have their rights and they, you know. uh, Well, yeah, I mean, just have a registry of everyone ever and put powers in it if they've got them. Is that, that's, is that your, your solution, is it? But they basically do have a registry of everyone, don't they? It's called the census. Mm, right? Well. America has a census, doesn't it? That's that's how you have a social security number. Mm, you know, it's not the same, is it? When you fill out the census and you put like, Christian other, then you put, you know, <laughs> can... Powers. Can speak to yes. cars. <laughs> they never speak back. He's not an unrealistic character. I think it's a really yeah. that's a very realistic thing that would be happening if this was a real situation. Uh, and yes. I think painting it as a straightforward villain is a little bit too simplistic. However, well, I that's don't know because if he is painted as just a, a through and through villain. I think you do I kind of think he is. Mm, he's a bit of a prick, but then he has a bit of a learning experience, and we go on that with him. And mm. he, he's sympathetic, like. As the film develops, isn't he? He's, he's you're kind of meant to feel bad for him as he div- dissolves into a pile of goo. Because <laughs> mm. he never feels like he learns his lesson. Because it's you know the bad guy Magneto give, make turns him into a mutant basically, and it kills him. But mm. ultimately, Magneto is our villain, and and maybe they need this guy to be the kind of cartoon villain so that we can then have that as our bad guy, so that then we can use Magneto as a more sympathetic. Uh, rounded look at a bad guy. So yeah, I think that's probably why. Yeah, 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 yeah. So f- Rogue finds Wolverine, and I couldn't tell if that was just an accident. She just chanced upon him, or she seemed to be trying to get somewhere, hitchhiking, and then Wolverine was there, and it's in the middle of nowhere. So there's no other reason why she would be there. I feel like they kind of chance upon each other, don't they? But yeah, I think she's just run away. I don't think she has a. I don't think she mentions having a specific endpoint in mind, does she? She is yeah, just really. sort of. They have a bit of a confrontation with Sabretooth, and then Cyclops and um, Storm turn up and save them, and then they're taken to the mansion. Yes. Whose mansion? Where we have Professor the, Charles. Professor X. Xavier. Yes, Professor Charles Xavier. And then we have all of the exposition about what the school X is there for. Exposition. And... Yeah. Uh, oh, very good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then Rogue is yeah enrolled at the school and um, yeah. But Wolverine is too old to be enrolled in a school, even if he uh, is a in an ill-educated ruffian. Um, so they take him on as a what? Like a they try and take him on as a teacher. Janitor. Yeah, he's a PE teacher. The ground. Yeah, he would be a good PE teacher actually. <laughs> Doesn't he end up doing history in one of the? They last do ones? mention remember, that. Yeah. Maybe... yeah, after after yeah. he's gone time traveling. Ah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember if that was in one of the Wolverine. Yeah, well, it's because he's it's because yeah. he's lived through however many decades, isn't it? I think that's the idea. Yeah. He lived through all the history, so yeah. Yeah, which is a fair yeah. point, you know. I can't remember yeah. any of it though. Mm. Well, he can't after they yeah fuck about with the timelines. He loses about four mm. decades or however many it is. three decades. Mm. Mm. So yeah, they, they've got the school, which is a huge part of the franchise. It's like the X-Men secret base. Um, mm. That's kind of unique to this 
superhero franchise. There aren't many... I think comics often come with superhero secret bases, but you don't really get them in the films all that much. You've got the Batcave for Batman. The Avengers dabble with it, with their HQ that they have here and there, but not really. Mm. And then there's kind of the, the school for the mutants in these films, and... I mean, it's not entirely... I mean, it is a secret base, uh, but, I mean, you know, people can still find it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you know... I, I don't really know how the enrolment system works. Uh, there's a lot of kids there. Yeah. Do you think all of their parents disowned them? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, we see from Ice Boy that um, his parents just think he's been accepted into a, you know, a fancy private school for the gifted, presumably on a scholarship mm. and all that. Um, yeah. It's like getting a owl coming down with a letter, isn't it? It's like, oh, he's special. He's gonna, <laughs> can't tell you why, quite. Mm. And Iceman is actually in this film. It's around this point that we see him. He, uh, Sean Ashmore has a non-speaking role. Uh, he makes a little ice flower for it's Rome. Not a non-speaking role, is it? He talks to her. Aren't they trying to shag in this one as well? It is definitely, because obviously yeah, this yeah. is all centred around her and it becomes this big issue that she fancies him, they want to have sex and all that because they're nice hot young teens who are very full of hormones, but they can't because um, she'll kill him. Mm. And he's Use thinking, a condom. Well, that was it. I was thinking that. Like, there's, I mean, I've, I've, people who don't poison them with their skin still wear full latex bodysuits. <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciate it might be frustrating that you can't have a nice sensual kiss or something, but you could still get down, like put a latex glove on. Yeah, you could, you could, mm. you could still make each other come. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's not as romantic though, is it? Hey, it can be. It can be fucking intense. <laughs> you you wank someone off while staring at them, <laughs> but you're not allowed to kiss them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, anyway, so Wolverine accidentally kills her. <laughs> St- accidentally stabs her through the chest. <laughs> oh god, yeah, that was just just so they could demonstrate. Yeah. 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 all right. Well, it, it it does give us the exposition that she sort of absorbs other people's powers, which is crucial to the end of the film. But it's such a it, it's such a jarring, obvious moment that you think, right? Well, that's coming back later. Mm. Mm. I don't know. They mm. they make it work in this part of her character that she she then runs away and all. That. I know. It's, it's just you wouldn't write it that he accidentally kills her halfway through <laughs> the film, but then it's fine unless you kind of do something with it. Uh, and and the the relationship between the two of them is uh, sort of a big part of this film and Wolverine for whatever reason takes a sort of fatherly uh, approach to her but but then he kind of really pulls back from that it's more of a the kind of um, the the slightly off the rails uncle who's like going to give you the real (laughs) real advice not just like hey go to school don't do drugs he's going to like hey do some drugs they're fucking cool man that's a big part of the film. It's quite. A nice, I think it works though. It's a nice little relationship between them. It gives a lot of humanity to Wolverine, which in which he could be a kind of just angry ball of energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Much better than say him trying to shag Jean. I think that like it works much better than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's uh, here where we we are introduced to Cerebro, isn't it? Which is a big part of these films. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it's it's, it's basically like. Uh, mutant finding machine so Xavier can seek out any mutant that he wants and so they find Rogue and so the X-Men go to find her blah 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 Magneto gets Rogue he's going to use her in his big evil plan to turn the world into mutants well Magneto his evil plan is what he's got a machine that makes like glowy waves appear Mm -hmm. no the whole point is that he's going to use his 
big wavy energy thing to turn all humans into mutants and then then everyone's going to be all right again but what he doesn't know is that it'll well he, what he doesn't know is that it'll kill except it'll kill because everyone, it's yeah. not really working yeah. we have a kind of final confrontation on the statue of liberty so it's around here that I want to ask you about that line because it's Well, yeah, I was going to say this is where Storm really gets some some moments. Yeah. And and it's very, you know, there's four heroes, four villains and they sort of pair off and start fighting and whatnot and Storm ends up with Toad and then what's the line exactly? It's um do you know what happens to a Toad Toad when it's struck by lightning? The same thing yeah. that happens to everything else and then like she yeah. fires lightning and then he dies presumably. Um so it's a much derided line. Is that fair? Because it... Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, I, I think the line itself isn't the issue, to give Joss Whedon some credit. Mm. I think the way it is directed, acted, just performed. It's, like, like if you can really imagine... And misjudged. Like Hugh Jackman throwing that <laughs> yeah. line out as a quip that you make before you stab someone yeah. through the neck. You know, it's like... Yeah. Uh, but that yeah. would be fitting or, with his or, character Or like as Tony well. Stark or someone throwing it out there in a Marvel movie. You can see how they would do it, they would sell it. There's just something about how it's done here is just not quite <laughs> right. And it just yeah. it's like, wait. But what? it's it's yeah. Halle Berry's character doesn't do quips like that. Like whereas so it's that like, as well, yeah. Fair it's, enough, it's she's, like the first thing she said she's in the She's doing film, it in character, but it's not appropriate. So even even I'm not gonna castigate her too much for it, although it's, you know, the delivery is yeah. what it comes down to. <laughs> And then Rogue uses her powers on Magneto. Well, he forces it to to then absorb his... To absorb the powers. Now, there's nothing about Magneto, from what we know of him, that suggests he should be, as like a 70-year-old man, or however old he is, that he should be able to withstand (laughs) Rogue's abilities any better than the young man that she put in a coma, for example, within seconds. And yet he he takes it mm. for a while, doesn't he? In the, in the second film, where she she gets uh, Fireboy uh, on the leg, she's holding on to him for quite a while as well. I think I yeah. think it's like, uh, you know, mouth to mouth is like, that's a much more permeable membrane there than skin. I think it just, you get in a bit quicker. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. All right, I'll take that. I, I have a question actually about just going back to Storm. Yes, um, and I, I don't mean this as a complaint. It, it's more a legitimate question. There, there's a bit where Storm strikes Sabretooth with lightning, mm. and then he goes flying across the room, like smashes through walls and stuff. Now, I really did try and research this and find out, and I, I it's very difficult to actually find out. But like, does electricity? cause kinetic can it push things well it will yeah. my understanding of being struck by lightning was that it can make your muscles jolt you've been struck and... by lightning <laughs> no oh. my understanding of like being struck by lightning being electrocuted is that it makes your muscles yeah. spasm yeah. and so you can like oh. jump back really far without meaning to but i don't i don't think it can no i think i think flying. that's just holly hollywood is that physics? a hollywood yeah, thing I think that's just hollywood logic yeah, yeah. Because I, I was trying to look it up to see if it's if it was bullshit or not. Because you know, apparently lightning causes craters in the ground when it hits the ground sometimes. Hmm. So it must have some degree of something, but I don't know. If you if you are, we we got a scathing comment recently telling us not to discuss science on the show. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> really? I didn't see that. Where was because, that? Because because we were talking about Topsy the elephant. We weren't even talking about science. <laughs> 
so if any scientists are listening, can you tell us how lightning works, please? Well, do you know what happens when an elephant gets struck by lightning? Topsy. <laughs> Topsy. What what happens then? Uh, they save the world. Like, the stakes of the ending are massive, but just, like, you know, the staging, the sets, all of that kind of stuff. Small. We see, you know, swanky party going on nearby, (laughs) um, and um, all the world leaders are there or something. Um, Yeah, but aside from that, I I don't know, it's all very contained, and, you know, Statue of Liberty, there's a little green screen going on. I think it does a lovely job with, you know, limited resources to create stakes oh, yeah. to create yeah. a, a yeah. drama As, and especially just considering like it is it does come down to like there are four heroes and there are four villains and they pair off and fight and that's it really there's no like army of henchmen or anything or army of superheroes for that matter i think this is largely just we're so used to insane levels of spectacle in superhero films now as well when you come yeah. back to something like yeah. this it just feels very insular and tiny and it's kind mm. of it's weird like, even the first Avengers film feels so small by modern standards when you go back to it. And mm. I, I remember watching that and just being like, this is this is the biggest film I've ever seen, you know. But, <laughs> yeah, it's mad. But that's that's what I mean. I, I watched this again and, like, I enjoyed it for that reason. I, I like the smaller scale stuff. Oh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I didn't really say this up front, but this is my favourite superhero franchise. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, that... Will this be a nice way to lead into our ratings? Mm. If you think it's so good, Calvin, what would you give it out of 10? Well, this one I would give an 8. A very solid 8. Well, I'm going to immediately concur with that. I gave it a very solid 8 as well. Really? um, Mm. Yeah, I really enjoyed this film. And, and, yeah, I I think it works on every level it's trying to work on. And there's a few little weaknesses, but nothing Mm. to worry about. I remembered this being my favourite of the original bunch because I I remembered it being the most kind of streamlined and Mm. uh, straightforward and I remembered X2 being a bit more, oh there's so much going on, it's a bit messier. Um, So I I remembered liking this more than I did on the rewatch. Like I say, I feel like it's very dated now and, and doesn't hold up as much as it did in my head. Um, So I give it a seven. And that's quite a low mm. seven, but it is a seven. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Fair enough. Still, that's a solid overall rating, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's very respectable. Um, this film was written by David Hayter. What's that about? Do you know who that is? <laughs> I'm having a quick look. I would say David Hayter is best known as the voice of Solid Snake in the Metal Gear video games, who is a character who... Seriously overacts. Oh. Kept you waiting, huh? Yum. He's in Smash Brothers, Calvin. And, yeah, yeah. And when of you course, eat food yeah. as him, he goes, Yum. <laughs> but a film like this, like you mentioned earlier on that Joss Whedon had uh, yeah, a role yeah, in yeah. the screenwriting. I can imagine there was probably like about a dozen writers and he's yeah. just the one that ended up with the credit. But he also got the credit for X Men Two. Yeah. So, Calvin, is it mm. X Men Two or X Two? Well, I I prefer uh, X two semicolon X Men United, but X two seems to be X two seems to be the um, the official title. I sense where you're going, Sol, because of the way you've been talking about the first film. So I want to get in here straight away that I found this film much more annoying 
than the first one. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of its... But I think, I felt like, just as an overall thing here... Something in this film, just the mix wasn't right, right, wasn't quite right. All the same ingredients were there, but it just didn't work. The script was a little bit sloppy or somehow. There was bits in this that really just were like, oh, no, that doesn't work. That was my memory of this one, certainly. But yeah, I, 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 I sense that you're going to start praising the film, so I just wanted to yeah, get that out there straight yeah. away. Well, yeah, basically on the rewatch, I was like, oh, yeah, no, this is a lot better, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's um this felt even more like what marvel does these days and that it's like such a big ensemble with moving pieces that kind of makes it all work but it, but there's no i do struggle with these films in that there isn't a kind of clear cut i want i i feel like i want there to be more of a clear cut objective like a to b and it's not it's just kind of there's all sorts of shit going on at once and there's kind of a, um, a bit yeah. of a plan and some bad stuff. I don't know. It just they do feel very like here's the next instalment in this ongoing thing, rather than I, I don't know. I don't quite know how to articulate it, but I think I'm picking up on the same thing that you're sort of complaining about to a point there, Alan. But mm. I, I know what you're getting at. Uh, there's something kind of TV about it. I, yeah, I don't know. like like in Spider Man, which was running at the same time. You know, it's very clear cut. Here's the villain. Here's what they're doing this time. Mm. Whereas this, it's just a bit more. Right, we're going to check in with everyone, see what's happening. Mm. But um, I, I think most blatantly, this film has aged a lot better. This is just far less cheesy, mm. and it, mm. it, it knows what the tone is that it's trying to achieve from the get go, and it, it kind of does it. <laughs> It's my favourite superhero film ever. I love it. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I wow. think this one is brilliant. I think it improves on the themes they're sort of hinting at in the first one. Yeah, I'll go make with them that. more overt. Yeah. Um, and I, I assume a lot of that is because the first one was a success and so now Brian Singer has a lot more control and he can mm. explore the themes that he's finding interesting. I like that it's less clear-cut. Um you know, the mm. villains or what's left of them team up with the heroes and there's a nice bit of greyness going on. Um, I think more overtly than in the previous one. Um, yeah. Um, the, the, the famous trajectory of superhero films, and I feel like this isn't quite what it is uh, anymore, but certainly in the early wave of these things, it was, you have your first film, the origin film, people like it. You have the second film, it's even better it builds upon everything the first film did, but just, you know, makes it all work that much better. And then it all falls apart in the third film where they go too big and too messy. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah. I think that was mapped out based on X-Men and Spider-Man pretty much, but it did seem to hold true for a, for a while. And yeah, I, 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 like I say, it was, it was kind of mapped out largely off the back of this. And that's because this, in my opinion, is a lot better than the first one. Um, mm. So I'm surprised that you're saying that because I genuinely didn't find this as good as the first one by a long way. Um, and it was just, I don't know if it, I, I wouldn't sort of put a specific thing on it. It was just something about, I didn't, I don't, I don't think I like the script as much. Mm. Well, and there's so many loose ends in this that are from the first film, like, like they, they can't get rid of Cyclops quick enough. <laughs> uh, and just make him disappear somehow, and then yeah. like Storm's a dead end here. She's 
off the bat, I think the acting is so much better across the board in this film. Everyone's mm. more comfortable in their roles. They're they're not embarrassing themselves. Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, Hugh Jackman, obviously great again, but you know, everyone kind of gets away with it, more or less. Anna Paquin doesn't, but um I can't say I noticed any great improvement from anyone. Oh, I did. Alan Cumming didn't yeah. do anything particularly well there either. He's, eh, I he's, like him. He's he's fine. I think yeah, he's exactly. lovely. He's, he's, he's fine. quite a subdued performance for Alan Cumming. Yeah. Well, we start off with a very elaborate action sequence of Alan Cumming's oh, Nightcrawler yeah. teleporting around the White House trying to assassinate mm. the president, which is a really... I mean, you mentioned Matrix-inspired mm. costumes in the previous film, so this sequence feels very much like, yeah. a, oh, we need some Matrix bullet time style stuff in here. So It's a great sequence. Uh, mm. I think it's a mm. bit undermined by... I, you know, I just, I just don't like all these like stupid color characters in these films. There's just something about all the characters who are like blue and furry <laughs> and have Racist. shit all over their face. I just don't like it. It just, I don't know. It just seems unnecessary. Mm. I just, I, I think I'd quite like Nightcrawler if he was that, but not like a devil man with a silly voice. <laughs> uh, I guess. So. Uh, I don't know. It, uh, I, I, it's a great opening scene, but I'm kind of always thinking, like, God, he's wearing a lot of makeup mm. when I'm watching it. <laughs> okay. Well, that's why he didn't come back for the next one, isn't it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, I know. Alan Cumming is very much just like, now. Nah, I'm not doing that shit I again. I can imagine. I mean, I think I think that's why Jennifer Lawrence has grown increasingly um, expensive. Like. <laughs> trying to get out of doing these films with each Well, now one. they they barely even... Now she has, like, just a bodysuit that she wears. It's yeah, not even makeup yeah, anymore. Yeah, and you can tell in those films, anyway. Oh, we'll she, yeah, the makeup job in the new one looks awful, but oh, we'll yeah. get to that later on. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, one of the curses of this uh, film franchise is that they start out, sort of, you know, when they start afresh with a new team, if you will, it's a bunch of fresh faces and a couple of known ones, and then eventually some of them just get too big for the stories really and i think we kind of start to see a bit of that here like this is wolverine's film very much it's all about Mm. his past and um we delve quite deeply into that and that's certainly a reaction to hugh jackman being everyone's favorite thing about the first one or certainly the mass audience so what else happens (laughs) uh well the main villain is william Stryker, played by brian cox who's uh, a curious casting choice yeah for such he's, a role. He's not a particularly great villain, is he? He's just kind of... But then... Well, I really like this actor. He pops up, so now I think he's more known for being a Scottish Nas- National Party uh, uh, spokesperson. Isn't or he unofficial Hannibal Lecter? Well, yeah, in Manhunter. And as Daphne Moon's dad in Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's our villain... Um, yeah, he's trying to get permission to... Uh, he basically just wants a warrant to go around Professor X's mansion. And uh, yeah, he's, he's not a mutant fan. The villains never are in these films. What's the central plot of this film? I'm trying to f- I, I'm, I think I'm mixing up different films here. So what's... Is this the one with the cure? Uh, no, no, no. That's, that's, the, next that's the next one. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, right. So, okay. So, what what happens in this film then? Here, it's um, it's uh, uh, Brian Cox. He's William Stryker, and he's um, trying to build his own cerebro basically because he wants to kill all the mutants yeah that's it yeah. really because his think... 
I think maybe this is what I'm talking about when there's, I feel like there's, there isn't a, this, the central plot here is a to purpose action rather than having its own kind of point and interesting development. I think it's I think it's every bit as valid a plot as the first film has. I, I think that, I think X Men as a franchise, the plots tend to be quite wishy washy and just to, they facilitate moments between characters, character development. They facilitate little moments of um, different kinds of set pieces, you know, action or character based ones or just cool little things that show off powers. Uh, I, I think that's what the franchise kind of is throughout every film and and. Uh, mm. Whilst I agree with what you're saying, Alan, I, I think it's every bit as true of the first film as it is here. Hmm. My first note is complaining about the line, bottoms up. And then my second note is about Wolverine chopping a cat's tongue off. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <It> just let <laughs> me out. So <laughs> that means he's chopped its tongue off. It, it's licking his claw, and then he goes, shing, and pulls the claw in, and you hear it go, off camera. <laughs> <laughs> We have quite a lot to go before that, because Wolverine is following on from the end of the first film. He's gone off to uh, explore memories that he has of his past and um, goes to Alkali Lake. Uh, but there's nothing there. Um, and then Jean's having uh, trouble controlling some of her powers. Magneto's being kept in this really cool, like, sort of plastic prison, which I yeah, absolutely nice love. Visuals. You know what I'm not a fan of throughout the franchise? Is Jean Grey the character? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and they're obsessed with her. <laughs> well, she's very powerful. They just keep bringing her back, and oh, she's oh, look, it's Jean Grey. Well, she's truly Professor X's uh, apprentice, really. She's got yeah. similar sort of mind powers, and I think right, he so... certainly positions her as being, oh, right. Well, when I'm mm. gone, she'll be the one taking over until yeah. Halle Berry's. Career goes a bit better, and then we'll make it her. But we'll get so, to that. yes, this is the one where we have the de-aged uh, Patrick no. Stewart. And Ian no, no, no. That's the next hell, Alan. Ugh. See, <laughs> this film, I can't remember anything from it. It's crap. No, it isn't. Oh my god. No, you're uh, remembering the crap third film and blaming it yes. on the second film is what it sounds like. You keep pointing to stuff from the third film. <laughs> yes, to complain about. I wasn't going to complain about it, though. So there's a plastic prison. Yeah, Yeah. can we talk about that plastic prison? Yeah, that's great. Love Love it. Hannibal Lecter overtones. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Sets up the blood, iron in the blood scene, which is wonderful. Oh my god, love that. When, yeah, this is the bit in the film where uh, Mystique has injected one of Magneto's guards with well, iron, so he's got metal in his blood, and then he can just, like, drain that out of his body and create these little metal balls which he can use to escape the place. It's fantastic. Mm. I love that sequence. That's very cool. But before that, we've established that uh, the villain, William Stryker, has some kind of uh, mind control serum um, that he uses on uh, Magneto, and Xavier and Cyclops go for a prison visit, and they are captured by the villain. Um, and uh, yeah, um, disabling Professor X is a running thread in these films just because he is so powerful. They often need to, especially before the climax, they need to incapacitate him in some way to make the... I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> uh, hmm. I think they, they, they kind of remedy that in the uh, James McAvoy ones, but in these ones, it's like they always need to. 
bump him off or something. He can't be there for the final battle. Otherwise, why doesn't he just mind control everyone? No, even in the James McAvoy ones, there's quite a lot of that from what I remember. Um, yeah. Well, certainly the last one. We have another brilliant sequence, which is William Stryker and his team uh, ransacking the X-Mansion. Oh, I love it. It's great. And all the students, uh, you see the various powers coming out. There's that one girl who shrieks and then disappears through the the floor. I think that's Kitty Pride, who um, Ellen Page ends up playing in the next yeah. film. Yeah, no, I, I just think it's so cool. I love the big ice slab. Yeah. Well, ice does tend to be cool, hey? <sighs> anyway, uh, Wolverine, Rogue, Iceman, and uh, what? Fireman, what's his name? Uh, Pyro. Pyro. Pyro, yes. They um, they manage to escape, and they go to Iceman's house. Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Soldi on note, please. It, it's interesting that they cast a Bill Clinton impersonator as Bobby's dad, <laughs> instead of as the president, who also features heavily in the film. No, but he looks he looks like a oh. fucking cartoon Bill Clinton. Oh, I I, I, really I thought that he was actually a Bill Clinton impersonator. <laughs> well, I, 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 I genuinely him. looked him up expecting to see like ten credits as President Clinton, but he hasn't. <laughs> well, I can't mm. say it particularly jumped out at me. <laughs> but then they get accosted by the police in this house and have to fight them off. Iceman's little brother rats him out. Yeah, calls the police. Rat. But I like that. I like that they go back to his family and they're not expecting salvation. I think they just want to hold out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this is where we have all the coming out stuff and those parallels are very clear. Uh, and then, yeah, he has to turn his back on his family and they blow up the police cars. And there's that... I love the line where uh, Wolverine comes out with his you know, knife hands and one of the police is like, drop the knives and he says, I can't. I like that bit. And then they shoot like, him in the head. Seriously, just 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 Google Alf Humphreys, the the, <laughs> the name of the actor, and look how okay. much he looks like a cartoon Bill Clinton. Alf Humphreys. It'll have been Bush in um, power at this point, won't it? Uh yes, yeah, will it be? If he lost a bit of weight, he would be a convincing Bill Clinton. It it's the nose. He's got the kind of red bulbous nose. <laughs> I think it's the beady eyes. Yeah. yeah. Thin lips, grey hair. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, I see it. All my next... I've made a lot of notes, but they're all about uh, the sequence at the very end where Jean Grey can't swim, so let, let me know when we get to that. Uh, Alright, well, there's a lot of stuff um, in the middle. They meet Nightcrawler, obviously. Alan Cumming. Um, Jean and Storm go to find him. Right. Um, Can we talk about his character then? Because... Right. One, of, one of the things that annoyed me about this film was this half-hearted attempt to try and make Nightcrawler and Storm bond somehow. But really, they didn't commit to it, and then it seems to be, they seem to be bonding over religious faith, which which is nonsense, particularly in this world. Well, lots, of people, lots of people bond over religious faith. So why is that, not, why is that nonsense? I d- I'm not sure if I'd be quite, feel quite the same if I could control weather with my mind. Well, yeah, but you're probably smarter than... Storm. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, night they're trying to get Nightcrawler to transport them into somewhere, and he's like, oh, no, I cannot do it unless I can see where I go or, or I might transport into a wall. <laughs> and she goes, no. I have faith in you. Like, no, that's not what this is about. It's a practical issue. Mm. It's just, it's not about he hasn't got the belief that he can transport through the wall. He just can't do it. Mm. So, that annoyed me. 
basically anything to do with Storm annoys me. Well, they have uh, to give give Halle Berry something to do, but they don't quite know what to do with her. Uh, and, I mean, they don't have to. I mean, they happily killed off Cyclops. Mm, Why don't they just do that with her? Yeah, yeah, I guess. So, yeah, that annoyed me. Um, I, I was still making notes that about Rogue and Ice Boy not having sex. That was obviously annoying me. <laughs> I put a note, I hope he has a glove fetish. That was one of my notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, the mutants have discovered that uh, Stryker is building his own Cerebro. Uh, so they head over to the uh, the dam where he's um, hold, hold it up. And uh, yeah, we have more fantastic action sequences here. I really like Mystique's initial um, penetration of the base. Um, at, oh, for God's sake. Hardy har har. Uh, so, <laughs> so... Can I ask about Mystique, by the way? Is she has she got any powers of like is is she purely a shapeshifter or is she also super strong, super agile? She's definitely she's really good at kicking and stuff. Yeah, but that's it. Is that superhuman or are we meant are we meant to just believe that's like she's just like Jackie Chan or something? Are we meant to believe she's got superhuman strength when she does all that? Um, I, I took it as just that's what she she learned. Yeah, I didn't get a sense of superhuman. No. She's also a, a linguistics expert, which is uh, comes into play later on. Mm-hmm. It stretches credibility of like how believable it is for me when it's like women believe she's got these powers, but she's also so fucking good at fighting that she can overwhelm like rooms full of men with guns like no problem if she's got superpowers that make her super strong as well i can kind of buy it a bit more i'm like all right but like the problem with that is that it's boring it'd be it'd be so much more interesting if she uses her power to to her advantage somehow obviously she does but like can she turn herself into a really big strong muscly guy and then have a fight how do her powers work? Because again, this is something that really bugged me throughout the films. Because because she turns herself into the a little Statue of Liberty, a human sized thing made out of stone at the start. So she can she can mimic the texture of things other than human skin. Well, she she her cl- clothes appear on her when she yeah. changes shape. So and and at one point in the next film, she turns into a child. At one point in Days of Future Past, she turns into Peter Dinklage. So. She can make yeah. mass appear How or small disappear can she get? at will. So can she shrink down like Ant Man? Can she get fucking massive? Like if if she turns into the juggernaut bitch, does she get like huge? Hmm. How how far can that go? Valid questions. That isn't no that we have no way of answering. I'm sure that someone somewhere knows. I'm sure I, I bet it in the, the comics, comics. Yeah. If I you know, please it. write your answer on a postcard and send to... But it, it just, it really bugged me, because throughout, I just kind of wanted them to acknowledge it. And it, I think most films would acknowledge it and say, have someone go, so so can you turn into a, like a, a child? No, I I, I, um, I can't, you know, make or, or, or uh, destroy matter, so it's got to be the same size as me. Or, you know, some something like that. Because otherwise, just, can she turn into like a piece of spaghetti and get through <laughs> a, a grid? I guess... Get out of those handcuffs know. by turning into that that kid. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think they could. I think they could write a line of dialogue where they just sort of say, "No, <laughs> it's got to be like roughly the same height and size." It doesn't. She transforms into a child. Well, yeah, but then don't 
let her transform, or or let her transform into a really tall child. <laughs> mm. Oh, she, oh, she has to, she has to put the mask somewhere else. So it's like she looks yeah, like yeah, a child yeah. from the front, and if you walk yeah, behind, yeah. there's just like a yeah. huge tumor on her back. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I don't oh, care what God. you say. I love this sequence of her kicking ass and the her sliding along the floor as the uh, doors shut behind her. I think it's brilliant. I love the oh friction burns. I love Ian McKellen saying, "Oh, you've no idea." When um, talk about how amazing she is, I think it's great. Okay, so th- this whole the whole end sequence, which is like the last third of the film, whatever, they get to the place. They're trying to fight him. There's this thing that, like, oh, my God, the dam is going to blow up, and then they stop it. It's like, oh, no, it's not. It's fine. Uh, and then they get on with it. And then, of course, the dam is going to blow up, and they just put it off until the big conclusion. Mm. But basically, they have to get in there, fight a bit. And this was this lot, This lot. was the bit I wasn't buying into, this whole sort of ending sequence. I didn't feel like there was a lot of tension there, like drama. Mm. I don't know. It just didn't work for me. We had a fight between... Wolverine and uh, another uh, another mutant with similar powers to him. Mm. I thought that character, the, the the female Wolverine type character, got really fucked over because she is being mm. mind controlled. Like she's not a bad guy; she's being mind controlled, and but still has like a horrific death. Yeah, um, which I thought was you know actually on a whole, this film was pretty brutal. They even our heroes they kill people quite readily and and mm. and freely, um, which I think is good generally to have that but not really acknowledged it's it's really jarring in these films like throughout the franchise every time wolverine just like stabs someone and there's like there's just no blood i think that's part of why logan was so good it was finally like oh yeah that looks right (laughs) there's blood coming out for once i think we did talk about this a bit in that podcast as well didn't we just about how his power in particular is very up close it's personal he has to get right up to someone it's not like he's shooting with a beam or anything and it's very hard for him to incapacitate villains without killing them because i don't know what Mm. you know it's not just a case of blasting them away it's uh, yeah And, and they do they do, you know, they they do pay a lip service. You get some drips of blood in the water here and there. Mm. It's, mm. Yeah. So we can we, can we talk about the aeroplane? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Because this is um, Striker has been apprehended and his plan is foiled, and they're trying to get away. So they they like a missile blows up and the plane's crashing and. Suddenly, Storm forgets that she can make weather, so she doesn't try and blow the plane up like in the air with wind or anything. Yeah. Uh, Jean forgets that she can just levitate stuff and doesn't try to levitate the plane or anything. Nightcrawler forgets. Nightcrawler that he forgets that he can just safety. teleport, so he doesn't try and teleport everyone out of the airplane, which is what I thought was going to happen. I thought we were going to get one by one him like taking everyone to the ground, and then the plane smashes. That that's annoying, isn't it? And then when it's taking off at the end, or or do we need to? Uh, what you mean, Jean's uh, ultimate sacrifice? Well, I I I definitely I think even the first time I watched this, there was definitely a sense of well, this is going somewhere. She's not just dead. Uh, th- there's more to it here. Um, I don't know if that's actually addressed in the film or not. I can't remember if like Patrick Stewart has a thing where he senses her still or something. Um, I can't remember, but the point is that it's it's just a pointless sort of stupid sacrifice. I hate and, it, yeah. But I, she, I, I she's think parting... there's 
the there's time. supposed to be an idea that she's deliberately killing herself. Um, and, and Patrick Stewart says at some point she made a choice. Like, why did she go outside when she could have done it from in here? She made a choice. And like, I, and the build-up of the character, I I thought and they that they weren't committing to this idea that she was killing herself because she was scared of her own power. I would have liked that. I never got that at all. I just thought, I thought that she made a choice mm. stuff was just them sort of saying, look, she chose to save you. Well, I think I'm trying to find the best message in it. I would, I'd like it if that was what was intended, because it pisses me off otherwise. It doesn't make any fucking sense. She can't... She has powers to make things float, so she never once thinks, oh, let's um, levitate myself whilst levitating Yeah, just levitate herself. She never once yeah, thinks, <laughs> right, I've got the plane out, now it's time to uh, slowly kind of work on getting myself out of here. Which is ultimately what the next film reveals that she does do. She just makes a little cocoon around herself. But it's like she just kind of kills herself, basically. But I don't think the film plays it like that's what she's doing. But that's it. Like the way she walks off in a kind of somber way, where she walks off the plane. There's, I, I, yeah, I definitely get a sense of like, I'm going to go and kill myself. That's the only way it makes any sense. But I yeah. don't know if that's what's intended. Calvin, what do you think's meant to be happening here? No, no, no. I, I think it's meant to be like an intentional sacrifice um, sort of thing. Uh, yeah, but no, but yeah, sacrifice as in I'm going to save everyone, not sacrifice like I'm going to kill myself because I'm too dangerous to exist, which is what I think Alan's saying. Oh, right. Um, Sorry. No, no, I don't, I don't think it's that. I think she's just going out because, yeah, it's like last resort. I, I, the sort of the thing. way I took um, it is that the film wants you to think the only way she can save everyone is to say like, kill herself in the process so she's doing the selfless yes. thing of you know trading herself yeah. for everyone else but we and can clearly see that that's not true yeah, she yeah could that do doesn't it in make so any sense ways. and that's it i think that's a failing on the part of the film but well, isn't this the problem when you have all these people with all these powers it becomes very difficult to um yeah have a situation and then not have people go well hang on a minute why didn't they just do that and they, they do address like i think is it storm that or uh, Scott that tries to get Nightcrawler to go out and grab her and yeah, and she says she's not letting me. She and and she's not letting Patrick Stewart stop it. She's deliberately yeah. not letting them get her out of there alive. She's doing it intentionally. Mm. I think she's doing that to save them from putting themselves in danger. Yes. Trying to yes. save her is the implication. Yeah, I I, I agree. Well, sorry. Right. So if she can hold back that water, why can she not hold that bo- back that water forever? Well, that's yeah, or at least for like. 20 long minutes. enough to walk out of the <laughs> and then it settles <laughs> and then you can like it's not a raging torrent anymore you can just sort of get wet mm. I yes I mean fine if you want to pick apart the logic of it <laughs> you can but you know anyway look it's a silly ending to a silly film what do you want I think it is a weak ending I like it annoyed me and lets the film down um, I'm intrigued to see how how we how high we go how low we go mm. well I'm I'm, I'm borderline here between 9 and 10. Uh, no, 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 I think I, I, was, I just, I had to go back actually and look at um, some previous superhero scores because the only other superhero films that I can think of that I like as much as this is like The Dark Knight and uh, Batman Returns, both of which I gave 9. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with 9. Um, just to retain a little bit of dignity. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, your your hysterical laughter put me off. Uh, 
Fine. I'm laughing at Alan's laugh. I'm not laughing. I thought... Um, I actually, on rewatching this, I dropped my rating. It, 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 um, I, it just felt s- sloppy. I didn't like the script. It, it was... Uh, and it it didn't feel like it had any great deeper meaning. The whole last third was quite boring, just action stuff. And uh, it just didn't particularly work for me, but it was perfectly sort of fine bit of entertainment in terms of superhero films. So I gave it a six. Hmm. Um, I like it. I, I gave it a seven, but like a strong seven compared to the first one. I think it's, I think it's about as good a seven as you get before you get up to an eight. But there's just there's just <laughs> okay. enough in it yeah. to kind of annoy me to to not be an eight. So yeah, seven. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then and then they came they came back for another one, didn't they? <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking about this one. And this this is like the big finale, really, wasn't it? It was like they thought yeah. superheroes aren't going to last much longer. Everyone's going to be sick of them. Let's just kind of get out whilst we can. Well, they were. I believe it was the most expensive film ever made mm. at the time. Uh, even now, like the budget is listed as two hundred and ten million dollars, which is astronomical even yeah. for now. So this mm. is two thousand six. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is their big like. Okay, we're throwing it all into this. This is the big grand finale. Brian Singer fell out uh, of Fox, didn't he? Well, he wanted to go and make Superman Returns. Yeah, and Fox yeah. and Fox were like, "Fuck you." We're going to get Brett Ratner. We're, we're going to get a different sexual predator in to make our film Ooh. instead. It's Hollywood, isn't it? <laughs> They're abundant. <laughs> I think you can tell as well that there is not a... Say what you will about Brian Singer. I think th- he fit thematically with what you know they were going for in the first two X-Men films. And he could handle those themes you know, with first-hand experience, I suppose. Yeah. And maturity. It's interesting, Not isn't it? Brett Ratner. Well, can, we, can, we, can we have a little discussion about Brian Singer at this point? Which is a good time to I make. think he's... I don't think he's a very good director. I, I, I must hmm. admit, re-watching these films, I came away going, I don't know what I'm bothered about here. I don't know what really is anything special. I think he's a really good fit for X-Men somehow, and he's very lucky to have found that. Oh, that yeah. niche yeah. that really works with his sensibilities very well, but yeah, I don't, I don't think he's very good. But something about him and X Men does tend to work quite well. Oh yeah, I mean, I, do, I I've seen a lot of his other films. Don't really care for Superman Returns. Didn't like the Usual Suspects very much. Yeah, yeah even I don't. Like uh, what the usual was that? Suspects. Valkyrie. That was terrible. Well, I I love the Usual Suspects, but I would argue it's probably more down to the writing and acting, which you know. Oh yeah, I got yeah. to give the director credit for the acting as well, in some some way. But um, mm, mm. Yeah. but yeah, I think the X Men films are what he's going to be most remembered for. Or at least those first two. But anyway, yeah, no, just on the point of the theme, like, he can obviously bring something to that, whereas yeah. Brett Ratner is more of a gun for hire? I, I don't know, um, is he a safe pair of hands? At this point in time, you could put him in charge of a film like this and get something yeah. relatively coherent back. Yeah. Whether yeah, or not it's yeah. good or not is another thing. Hey, and you know what? I Again, my memory of this film is it was a lot worse than it was. Um, I was surprised at how kind of not a total shit show and a total mess it was when I actually watched mm. it. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, but but the, it definitely has lost something by going mm. over to Brett Ratner. Um, well, can I can I make a controversial statement then? Go on. Okay. Oh this, God. Oh, this is my favorite one. 
I think this is the best I one. I preferred the third one to the second one. <laughs> and and so and, annoying. Well, that to, is annoying, to, Alan. What you, what's wrong with you? Well, to give it to just to give it away straight to the front. I meant that as a question. I wasn't being rhetorical. <laughs> <laughs> um, my rating for the second film, like I said, it went down from a seven to a six, and then I watched this one and I took my rating up from a six to a seven. Um, and so you know they've kind of swapped places in that sense. But uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into it, but I. I definitely prefer this to the second one just as a structural piece. And I think that's basically what it came down to. There's a more coherent story. I like the, the whole, the whole cure thing is a really nice um, yeah. story to get stuck into and, and, and what it all means and all that. And back, like mm. back to where we were with the first one, which I don't think the second one really has that. Oh yeah. Mm. I, I, I'll, I'll give you that. I just feel like there's more going on here. Not necessarily the director's responsibility particularly, but you know, it's, um, just, well, I, I, yeah, I got a better feeling from this one. I mean, the, there are some story elements that I really take issue with that I don't think are very satisfying, and that's certainly pro- you know more down to the writer than it is the director. But I think, um, especially listening to him in the special features and stuff, he's just such a crass Hollywood hack, and it's really yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's oh, just yeah, hearing him talk about well some of these, for, yeah, yeah, like the, the whole cure thing is such a great like, yeah, you know. Uh, a plot element in here. I absolutely love and, it. And this film really was poised uh, as like the finale of X Men, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It's the ending. Yeah. It was the Avengers Endgame of the X Men trilogy, kind of. Mm. Mm. So The Cure is such a great last stand, as as the title would Im- imply. It's it, That is, you know, that's your big final battle. It, 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 and, and this film was not f- afraid to, you know, kill people off and mm. let them. F- close out their arcs and uh so i think it there's a lot to like about it there's a lot that should be very satisfying on the other Mm. hand jean gray's evil because she's got an evil twin inside her head Mm. do you like that alan um yeah i'm all right with that i'm I'm all right with the way that it's handled yeah because it's it's about (laughs) really it's about this untapped power that she's been shielded from like uh yeah i'm all right with that who comes with their own distinct evil personality? Yeah, okay. I mean, she, she was like, I. There was probably a point where they were banding around having her do like a French accent or something whenever she adopted the different <laughs> oh, character. Well, I mean, I, 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 I didn't have a problem with that specifically. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but the idea of her of this power that could be unleashed and what i would have liked more and i guess they couldn't really do this cuz it's not how it goes down in the comics as far as i know but what i would have much preferred is just she just goes evil she's like consumed by power and they have to kind of or she doesn't know how quite how to control it it it, it just feels like this shitty well we couldn't possibly make her a bad guy but mm. even when she is the bad guy and she's hanging out with magneto she's still very just sat in the background watching. She's not really getting involved. Yeah, and I kind of like that because I saw it as her. She was above it all. She was just like even even this great war between humans and mutants. She's kind of she feels above it mm. um, because she's so uh, amazing. Um, so I was all right to on that level. But yeah, it just feels like they don't really get to grips with it. Like make that what the film's about or don't. Mm. It's, it's kind of a side plot that doesn't have enough time to yeah. go anywhere. Well, at um, this point, Halle Berry's a big star now, so yeah. <laughs> um, we have to make her a big deal. And her haircut. And her haircut. 
Do you notice how I I feel like we were talking about how these films kind of set the tone for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the most egregious example of that is the check out her new haircut shot at the start of this mm. film. Because oh, God, yeah. you get so much of that in Marvel. It does my head in every time. Oh, what Scarlett Hansen's haircut in this film? There it is, guys. Oh, mm. she's gone for like a nice bob. Interesting. Okay, and mm. there's always a shot purely to introduce the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? And you get it in this. You get it in this film. There's a shot when she Definitely comes in. in it's like, mm. look, she's she's got some uh, she's got uh, some roots showing, but it's kind of trendy. Mm. But it's not just that. It's like this is a the poster is Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry in X Men: The Last Stand, and the guy with angel wings. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I'm talking like names on the poster. Like it's those two names, the big names on the poster, and. You know, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, Famke Janssen, they're all sort of sidelined. Kelsey Grammer isn't getting his name on the, you know, in the big font on the poster. It's and, all and about the excellent her. tagline. Whose side will you be on? Yeah. <laughs> Ian McKellen's not even on this poster. No, yeah. that's how little they care about him now. But yeah, anyway, so that, that whole th- uh, thing about her becoming... You know, Professor X is like, oh, yes, of course, you're my apprentice and you will be the one to take over the school. And it's like, oh, well, what about Scott? Oh, well, no one really likes him very much. So um, we're going <laughs> to kill him off immediately. That that oh. was a political thing, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Because he's Brian Singer's boy. Yeah, yeah, because Brian Singer went off to Oh, of course, because he went Fox on to Superman Returns. pissed off about it. And so Fox were like... Right, well, we kind of need you to be in the film, but we're going to kill you off right away because fuck mm. you for going to make Superman Returns. Yeah. So they very unceremoniously just get rid of him immediately. Don't which I, do... I don't believe was a scheduling issue. I think it was mm. just that Fox kind of were pissed off with him. Mm. Does that explain why we don't really get a proper scene of his death because he mm. refused to film it? And yes, they were I... just sort of like... <laughs> because... It's 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 almost done in the way that you expect him to come back at the yeah, end. Yeah, you never really see him is, die. Yeah. You never see his body or anything like that. Um, so that's kind of what I was expecting. Yeah, yeah no, uh, I, I was going to bring that up actually because it is really they do handle it in a way that oh he could come back I guess which I I found odd because so much about this feels like grand finale X Men trilogy coming to an end, but then there are some mm. last lingering threads in there. Isn't it annoying that it took Jean Grey that long? Like, she just happens... She takes however long to revive herself. Mm. And then she just sort of wakes up when Cyclops is, like, shooting lasers at the water. Mm. Mm. I mean, I guess oh, yeah. the implication is he woke her up with his lasers, but... Or like Godzilla. But it's kind of, <laughs> kind of dumb, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Maybe she's just... Maybe she's just hanging out in a kind of mental cocoon. And then, like, she senses something from her past. Like, oh, I feel my love from the past. Ooh. I don't, you don't even need Jean Grey in this film. Make it about the cure. Just do, mm. do yeah, that. Yeah. That's well, that's what I was saying about, yeah, they kind of half-assed the, the whole idea. Stop putting Jean Grey in everything. Yeah, I, I hate it. Hate <laughs> it. <laughs> Get rid of her. You killed her off. Mm. Good. Move on. <laughs> Next. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, what else do we get in this film? Then we get this is the one where you literally every other time you try to bring something up. This is the film. <laughs> so the opening of the film is um, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen testing out some Snapchat filters. 
<laughs> hey, you know what? That de aging stuff was really good. Oh, it was it was mind blowing for two thousand and six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. I it, like it, it's not quite what it was when you watch it now, but for when they made it, it was mind blowing, and it, it did it set the um it paved the way for the likes of Captain Marvel doing it on Samuel L. Jackson this year. So mm. like, fair play, it was pioneering. Mm. And there's proper uh, Stan Lee cameo. Uh, yeah, good one. Because he doesn't yeah. have any lines. <laughs> he just stands there. Yeah. But there, okay, let's talk about the cure then, because that's what this is really all about, isn't it? Isn't it? It comes from a young mutant who yes. um, lives on Alcatraz Island in a facility. He has a very and, strange power. Uh, yeah, in that he, um, I guess, removes the powers of people around him. And there's an implication um, that his hair is a power, because it also seems to remove that. Well, he removes a uh, beast's hair on his hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this this is all being funded by a guy, uh, Warren oh, yeah. Worthington, who discovers that his son is a mutant, and so there's a personal stake in it for him. He wants to be able to cure his son of his really cool wings, which... Uh, yeah, very cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's got he's got two, again, two powers... Two mutant powers, hasn't he? Has he, he? What's the other one? He's got one's wings. the wings, the other's sexy abs. No. <laughs> well, three then. Uh, what's the other one? Um, being able to smash jump through, through windows. Yeah, being able to smash through glass <laughs> face oh, first well. without getting a single yeah. cut. And presumably, like through. high strength safety glass because <laughs> yeah. it's up the top of a building without wearing <laughs> any I'm clothing. Just. Mm. The strongest yeah. skin in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know that, that there's that scene early um, at the very start of the film uh, where we see the young boy and he's cutting off his wings in the bathroom, and then his dad walks in on him, and yeah. that's one of those things that felt like uh, they're trying to connect it back to the. That's that's like a Brian Singer sort of scene. It is. It really is. Yeah. Not just because it has mm. a. No, no. Actually, sorry, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> leave that. Yeah, sorry. yeah it's good. wise, wise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know that opening scene with the Instagram filter Snapchat faces? So I, I know we've yeah. covered it already. Doesn't that have a very 70s aesthetic for 1986? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's odd, uh, I've made the note after that I'm actually really enjoying this so far because I was expecting <laughs> to hate this film going into mm. it again. Didn't like well, that's it kind of the same experience I had. I was just sort of like, I enjoyed it a lot more than I yeah. was expecting to, you know? And uh, um, uh, yeah. can, we, can we talk about all the new characters? Yes! Yeah. Alright, so we've got uh, so we've done Mr. Wingman. Yes. We've got Kitty Pride, Ellen Page. She's barely in it, but she is notable Comes up later. yeah, because Ellen Page became a big star, and so they were like, "Right, we better bring her back." Uh, she's in it. She's she like she's the, the there's a there's a group of kids who become the main group of kids who they have to join the adults and and like mm. help to fight, mm. and she's one of them. She's because definitely a big part. Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry are too expensive now, yeah. so we might have to promote you, Sean Ashmore, <laughs> as Iceman. <laughs> We've got. Um, but they nailed it with Ellen Page. Like they, they hit gold there. Oh we've yeah, got, yeah. We've got one of the most, um, again, one of the most egregious examples of a, a kind of magic mutation that just doesn't make any sense on any level. Which is uh, Vinnie Jones as Juggernaut, who, mm. if he, 
if any part of his body gains momentum, it can't be stopped. It just can't be stopped. <laughs> Unless, of course, he decides to stop himself, presumably. Yeah. Well, I was alright with that. It's just... So so if he trips over, does he fall to the centre of the earth? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Tripping over is not as much momentum as running for twenty yards and building up some speed. Mm. I, I, I get this. he has to put the force into it. I think he has to want to. Yeah, he has to want to do it for mm. it to work. Yeah. I think it's just it's just sort of a super strong thing, isn't it? It's like if you run at someone. No, I don't think it first. is. I think I think the power is he. You. It's not that he's really strong. It's that he literally cannot be stopped moving. His power is. He is an unstoppable object. They're not being metaphorical when they say that. He is literally... Well, that's... When he hits a wall, it slows him down as it breaks open. So, obviously, his energy can be removed to some well, extent. The film being if dumb. you put a thick enough wall, then it would slow him down. No, I think, I think the character, as he's presented, and my understanding of that character is that it wouldn't stop him. But that's the whole Ellen point. Page has the... Uh, can't be stopped by anything. Because she goes through things. Like, she literally can't be stopped. He has his energy halted by wall. We see him slow down as he hits a wall. Yeah, because the film it. isn't clever enough to not have him slow down when he goes through the wall. Because <laughs> well, Ratner directed it. The, 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 I Instead mean, of Christopher yeah, anyway. Nolan, who would have mapped out the science behind it. Did you like when he said the line? What? I'm the juggernaut bitch. Yeah. It's all right, it was isn't it? bad, wasn't it? Vinnie Jones. That's fine. That's a, that's a reference to an internet meme, I believe, that was going round about 2006-ish, 2005. Oh. It, it was like a cartoon. Someone dubbed over footage from the old X-Men cartoon going, I'm the juggernaut, bitch! And so they were like, oh, that's hilarious. Put that in the film. Mm. Well, the weird thing about that is, right, if you're going to get someone who's not an actor, and he, let's face it, he's not, um, even though he'd done a bit of acting, why don't you get someone who is actually a big massive guy because they put a fake body on him like his arms aren't that yeah, big it's weird, like that. Isn't it? but there are mm. people who are that big just get a top bodybuilder yeah. or get half thor bjornsson or someone like that who's <laughs> six foot eight ball. and weighs <laughs> the spider the human spider <laughs> it's really annoying that they let him wear that helmet even when he's like locked up in like they let him keep the stupid <laughs> costume on it's yeah. probably super glued to his head. <laughs> uh, and and of course the other the other new character, the other new addition is uh, Calvin Kelsey Grammer as Beast. <laughs> perfect, perfect casting. I think we can all agree. As a yeah, because he's the statesman, isn't he? He's, he's a politician. Mm. He's criminally under underused. If anything, he's not really in mm. the film very much. He, he, I kind of wanted more from him. But yeah, it's expensive yeah. to put that suit on him every day, I guess, that makeup. <laughs> Actually saying that, he's mainly, mainly just on his head and hands, isn't it? He's not got his shirt off all that much. Yeah, yeah. Takes a lot of doing, though. Yeah. But yeah, that voice uh, yeah, is just yeah, perfect. Yeah. That character, I love him. Can I can I get into a moment that I really didn't like? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I, I expect you'll agree. It's the moment where Mystique is shot by the ah. cure, a gun that is using the cure bullets. Yes. Um, uh, well, she gets, so she is cured and she is turned into a human. Um, 
what I don't like is the way that Magneto completely oh, yeah, no, dismisses I, her. Yeah, I completely. No, I agree. Yeah, because I it doesn't you. fit with the character we've seen. Yeah. It doesn't fit with what we've got. It doesn't certainly doesn't fit with the story we then get later yeah. in the prequels, yeah, as in the backstory. All. Yeah. But even in what we've seen of them, and I was trying to like, how can I justify it? Like, is it a example of his megalomania that he's losing? He's losing a sense of the personal because his bigger picture idea is becoming obsessive. Mm. That's the best I could do. But then yeah. later on, when Charles is hurt and killed, he's he is genuinely sort of upset about that. Yeah. Even mm. though he sort of shows it in quite a, yeah, a hard yeah. way. No, yeah, mm. I'm completely with you then. Um, yeah, it just feels very out of character that he wouldn't. Mm. Yeah. Even if yeah. even if he's like, well, you're one of them now. You're not one of us. I think he'd take a bit of time to mourn that and be yeah, like yeah, another oh, yeah. another yeah, great, yeah. you know, one of us taken by the human or something. Especially as she is sacrificing herself to shield him from being hit by yeah. the thing. But to be honest, yeah. I think that character, as he's portrayed in other, you know, stuff so far, wouldn't give up on her like that. And, mm. you know, would perhaps hatch a plan to restore her mutagenic abilities and keep her with him for the time being. And mm. and she's going to mm. be useful to it. But assuming that all the fucking you know, action fighting and all that stuff was just her and not a superpower. She's still got all that. So mm. she's still going to be useful to have around. And she only really comes back later on in the film as like, a, what does she do? She gives information on him or uh, something. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's interesting how as soon as she loses all the blue stuff, she, she starts like covering up her breasts with her hands and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do love all the action though with um, Ian McKellen using his powers to um you know get rid of the um the cars and everything flips over the the truck yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's done very nicely. Yeah. Mm. And then there's just like big big fight. And it just, it just goes on too long this film. My biggest problem was it just kind of went on too long at the end and it was like oh god, it's the shortest still... one I think. Yeah, but just the pacing at the end it's like oh god we're mm. still having this fight. Oh god. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we get the big uh, Iceman versus Fireman showdown. That's the one a... that everybody wanted. Well, <laughs> they, they were building to it. I, you know, um, <laughs> and it's there for people. We have a kind of conclusion to Rogue's character as well, mm. um, and they have a whole thing where her boyfriend is off with another girl, and she's obviously upset about that, and she sort of we're conflating that with the fact that she can't suck him off so that's why he's leaving um and they, i think they do a pretty good job of making that whole thing like not about the boy and like and, and kind of really s stressing that yeah okay that's kind of what's going on at the moment but it's a it's symptomatic of a bigger thing in her life that she just feels like she can't get close to anyone she's kind of blah 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 blah, blah. Mm. so her her <laughs> mutation is a is a curse and she wants to get rid of it and i think it does a very good job of presenting that case study of someone who does want a cure and it's an acceptable thing for them yeah mm. and i think it's good that the film has that it's not just going oh no you can't do that boom line in the sand mm. all right um so i like i like that i like that they didn't make it the kind of focus they kind of let it play out mm. we don't even know if she does it and then right at the end we see okay yeah she did get it done and you know they filmed uh, that two ways they filmed one where she had a glove on her hand still and she didn't uh go through with it yeah uh. Yeah, but uh, uh, Brett Ratner wanted them to be able to have sex, so that's why it's how it is. Do you like Ali Omi's voice being in there? He got paid <laughs> more for this than I think any other role he's ever had. Really? Uh, 
is what I read. Yeah. Because uh, he didn't, uh, he just came in to do the voice, didn't he? And it's such exposition, yeah. like, hand in all your medals, pick up your plastic It weapons. feels like an afterthought. It feels like they realized they needed to mention some stuff in the edit, because... There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess they were just, like, signing whatever check was put in front of them at the studio, because, yeah, they got Arlie Ermey to do it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Probably well, says more about how little Arlie Ermey's been paid for other stuff. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that was another thing because in this big, so in the big final battle thing, all the troops, all the human troops, are get rid of all your metal. Here's some plastic guns. Here's some plastic weapons. Blah blah blah. It's like right, well that protects you against one mutant. So what about the rest <laughs> of them? And also, he can still pick up the Golden Gate Bridge and squash you with it. It's like it's not. <laughs> it's not really gonna. That's not enough. Well, it's better. <laughs> it's better than taking metal guns in, though, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yes, yes. Mm. I hate that line when it's like, plastic, they've learned. <laughs> it's just like, oh, God, I really need that. That whole thing of him, like, picking up the Golden Gate Bridge is pretty impressive, though, but I hate the, uh, I think, quite obviously reshot uh, sequen- uh, shots of the family in the car, and there's that one lady who, like, locks the car door uh, when Magneto turns around and looks at her. They just mm. don't it's all right. it's fit in. Comedy bit. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, well, I think it was probably, yeah, like I say, if it was a reshot, they probably realised that this very slow-moving bridge was a bit boring after three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put something in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we have yeah, this big battle, yeah. and then Magneto is struck with the cure as well, which is interesting. Um, well, uh, not just struck, you say that, as if it's an accident. It's a uh, oh, yeah. ca- calculated effort to bring him down. It's like the, the yeah. big conclusion, really. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yes, which was um which I I thought was a big I thought that was quite a big deal because the fact that they do that to him and when what they're really fighting for is to not do that if you know what I mean. Yeah. It, yeah. It felt like it, it felt like using a nuclear bomb to stop someone from nuclear bombing you, you know, it's like that kind of <laughs> Yeah. You know the the that yeah. kind of sense. I agree. It, it's, it's a like, very yeah, we don't want to use this, but oh well, in this case, it's probably all right. It's a clunky yeah. moment, and like Kelsey Grammer, if you look at him in the corner of the screen, is doing some sort of his best attempt at sort of like conflict with what he just did. He like looks at the syringes and then disgustedly throws them to the ground. And I don't quite know what to make of the music in that moment as well, because I don't know if we're supposed to feel like yeah, they got him, or or what? Are we sad that this is? I mean, I'm sad because Magneto's one of my favorite characters in these films um definitely yeah but yeah it's a, it's the fact that he's moment. the villain um and he's been defeated and we still come away from it going oh that's a shame i i really like that i like that yeah. we've built up such yeah. a rapport with this villain that we can totally mm. yeah. be on board with him even at this point mm. um mm. we haven't mentioned that professor x dies have we oh yeah that's a mm. big deal not uh, not detail no <laughs> much earlier on, but yeah, yeah, Jean Grey, Jean Grey, she, another brilliant she, like, action sequence in that him. house. I love it. That house is like lifting off the ground, and there's stuff flying around in it, and there's yeah, big fight sequence inside it. It's all very technically. But that, that's it. It really was the the big finale. We're concluding all these characters' stories, even if we're not killing them. We're we're basically finishing their plot. Mm, um, mm. But then you did, did you that, see the scene at this... the end of the credits? Yeah, well, before right, the yeah. credits, you get Magneto 
like making a chess piece slightly twitch to say, oh, yeah. look, he's got his powers back a bit and he's going to work on it. And then after the credits, you get a post credit scene. Pre-Marvel post credit scene. Pre-Iron Man. Mm. <laughs> and it's awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's just it Patrick Stewart's voice sense. waking up in a, in a hospital or something. Well, yeah, so they, they mm. set it up earlier with the... Um, with the guy in the hospital bed who who oh if if you if I were to transfer my consciousness into this man would that be an ethical conundrum? And then at the end he's yes like, it would professor it certainly fucking would <laughs> yeah but he doesn't care and somehow no. <laughs> consciousness also means voice and and I suppose I don't mind the scene so much as the fact that based on days of future past we're presumably meant to think that. This guy was a, a complete and utter dead ringer for Patrick Stewart. Well, yes, it was his twin it brother. It was his twin brother, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Just, just another... I mean, that's what I don't like. It's just too fucking... If it had been some random guy in the hospital bed who didn't look anything like Patrick Stewart, and then in the next film it was just some that guy, you're like, all right, that's Professor X now, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but then you don't have Patrick Stewart doing it, so... Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? Even if it was like he doesn't actually look like that, but he's projecting an image of Patrick Stewart over his body because that's what people are comfortable with. So that's what everyone sees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there is a big element that we haven't talked about yet, and that is the ending of Gene and Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And it's basically Wolverine has to get up to her, and <clears throat> because he can repair quickly enough even though she's got this huge energy ball around her or whatever. And like I say, I, I, it didn't really work for me the way, just the whole character dynamic between the two of them has never tallied, yeah. so you don't buy into it. Yeah. Um, obviously, she could have stopped him if she wanted to. She was, yeah. too, she was powerful enough. So the fact that, she, again, she is kind of letting him get close enough, like that dynamic between her good side and bad side or whatever it is, a good side is just doing enough so that he can get there to kill her. She wants him to kill her, um, and all that. It's yeah. um, it, 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 that could work if that had been had the time and, and emotional value that it needed, but I don't think it had. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel like I've been quite positive talking about this film, but <laughs> I, I really should like point out that I think it's just very messy. All these good bits are just dropped in really messily they're not very well stitched together mm. and it goes on too long and the pacing's off there's little character moments that are off and so yeah like when i first watched this film i hated it um but i've really i i've been won over quite a bit on it on this rewatch which i think is largely just watching it in the context of the series as a whole i think I think when I first watched it, I couldn't really remember what happened in the previous films, and it was just like, oh, I don't know what's going on. So yeah. Mm. Um, mm. But off the back of that, should we rate this, or do you have anything else to yeah, say? Yeah, go on. What, you, you rate yeah, it as you've just okay. given your little... Uh... Um, well, I, I originally gave it a 5. I've bumped that up to a 6 out of 10 on this viewing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 6, which, you know, it's quite enjoyable to sit through for all its flaws. Well, I, I you know, I started with a 6 last time I saw it. I've, I've knocked it up to a 7. Um, I enjoyed it. I liked the Cure stuff more than the Gene stuff. I was seven. Solid. Uh, not, maybe not solid seven. <laughs> a fine seven. Oh, 
That's positive. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't have much more to add, I don't suppose. Like, I'm going to give it a six, because uh, mm. uh, while I think it is certainly a step down from the previous two, there is a lot here to be enjoyed. I just wish it had had uh, a, a more mature director at the helm to handle some of these themes and story elements, and I just wish that they never bothered bringing Halle Berry back. Um, I think those are the two key flaws in the film. Mm. If you could have any of the X-Men powers, what would you have? Uh, Out of the the ones you see in the films? Yes. I mean, Magneto's power is pretty cool. Jean Grey seems like the obvious choice, because she can basically do anything. Mm. Is this a world with other mutants? Like, could you could you have apocalypse X Men Apocalypse Man's where you just get to absorb everyone else's powers? Uh, you're not really in the spirit of <laughs> question now. Um, I'd probably go. I'd probably go magnet metal powers. Yeah, that'd be my choice but as well. Professor X's powers would be really good, mind reading and all mm. that. Yeah, but mm. you're in a wheelchair. Mm, is that is that part of it? Is that part of the power, is it? Well, I think like, we find... It's like Stephen Hawking, his mind was so powerful, his body <laughs> couldn't work. Well, I think we find in the next films uh, that that is the case. Yeah, but that's not part of his power, is it? It's just because he got shot. What about you, Alan? Um, I think I'd have to go with Toad. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, a useless out. twat with a massive tongue. I think you would be actually. That'd be. I could imagine if if superpowers were real, yours would be disappointing. <laughs> Just something crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's the original X Men trilogy uh, we all know and love. So we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about the next uh, sort of three. Well, the next trilogy of proper X Men films. The last three and stuff. Well, that's what I told us the first time. I just the three uh, we haven't done yet. The only ones we haven't done. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well done. Bye. <laughs>